0: All right, well, we are in our Advent season, and over the course of this week, We're going to be releasing resources to you to help you follow along with our series. We're releasing an Advent calendar that's going to be available in a digital format. Um, If you're able to make it to one of our weekend services, we're going to have those um, there as well. Uh, The calendar will get kicked off on the 29th and you'll have it as long as you're getting email updates from us. If you're not, let us know uh, so that we can be following up with you. I also want you to start praying right now about what we call the Christmas Missions Offering. This is a big part of our Advent into the year celebration. I'd love for us to just kind of go big on this. 100% of what we give here goes outside the walls of mercy. This offering funds our local outreach here in Charlotte. It funds church planting. It funds the mission of God all around the world. Uh, Lots of stories connected to this thing. Just this week though, uh, Derek Delane, the pastor of a church, he's a church planter heading out to Nashville, or he's now in Nashville, Tennessee. We sent some people to help be a part of this new church plant. It's called Proclamation Church. We sent resources and people to go with them. And he sent me a note telling me that um, an older church in the area that they're hoping to reach has agreed to join them and is gifting their facility to Proclamation Church to be revitalized in that area. Isn't that awesome? Listen, uh, this... <laughs> Your generosity to the Christmas missions offering helped to get Proclamation Church there to Nashville. We're going to continue to to help them. That's just one of many ways. Um, Your generosity fuels the mission of God around the world. Um, Courtney and I think about the Christmas missions offering this way. We look at our family Christmas budget. If you don't have a family Christmas budget, you might want to. Like make one, um, just figure out what you're gonna what you're gonna spend on Christmas, and what we say, and we invite our kids into this, is that we want to give our best Christmas gift to God's mission. So we talk with them about it because we want them excited that they get to participate in the mission of God and seeing the hope of Christ go around the world. Uh, And that's kind of how we think through it. We're going to start. I just want you to pray and start thinking through it. We're going to collect that and open that up um, on December 1st. And you'll be able to give, give to that. All right. That said, today is week two of our Advent season. Our theme is hope is here. There is so much hope for us in the arrival of Jesus. This is so much more than just like a festive season. Christmas is the announcement of light that has broken into our lives. It has replaced the darkness of despair and brokenness with the hope of Christ. If you got your Bible, Luke chapter one is where we're going. Today, we are looking into a very holy, very powerful interruption that God brings into the life of a teenager named Mary. This little scene only takes up 12 verses. Listen, it is so packed. The announcement of the virgin birth, a centerpiece of the Christian faith, it's right here. The famous nothing is impossible with God statement, it's right here. One of the most beautiful, most powerful expressions of faith ever recorded is right here. And in fact, that in particular, Mary's response to God when he interrupts her life. That's going to be our focus today. I think that's Luke's focus. I think that's why we get Mary's song that we're going to see in just um, a couple of weeks. Luke wants us to see how Mary responds to God when he interrupts her life, especially in contrast to Zechariah, who we saw last week when God interrupted his life. When God changes the the direction of Zechariah's life, Zechariah pushes back in kind of some closed minded doubt. You know, he refuses to believe that God can do something that he thinks is impossible, but when God comes to Mary with a big interruption that's going to forever change the direction of her life, she offers a response that I believe will give you so much hope today because it's, it's accessible and relatable. I think you'll be able to, to kind of put yourself in Mary's shoes just a little bit, but then it's also incredibly inspiring at the same time. And as we prepare to open the Bible and walk through this story, I want you to think for a second about the interruptions that are in front of you right now. Or maybe the interruptions that have happened in your life that are just kind of in the rear view. The situations or the people that have forever altered the trajectory of your life. Like you were driving along, cruise control, you had your destination mapped out. And then out of nowhere, all of a sudden you're on a detour. Or maybe you're just on a whole new path entirely. Listen, if it's true that God is in control at all times, then you have to allow that God has allowed that interruption into your life. Some of these interruptions are tough. Maybe it's someone that you love who let you down. Maybe you lost a job you love or you lost somebody you love. Maybe you didn't get into the school you were planning on. Maybe your family moved, but you were happy where you were. Maybe it's an unexpected pregnancy like we'll see today, or maybe it's unexpected infertility. Whatever it is, you find yourself saying, wait, wait a second, God, excuse me. This was not in the plan. Like we talked about this. We had an understanding, what is this? It's changing everything. The title of the sermon today is God Interrupted. Because that's what happens to Mary. God Interrupted. And if it hasn't happened to you yet, it will. Because the one thing anybody will tell you is that life never goes according to plan. In fact, y'all, I stopped making five-year plans like 10 years ago. Because I would look at those five-year plans and they would read like fiction when I got to the end of that five years, right? Because God interrupted my life. Like I had a five-year plan. Coming out of college, man, I was going to have my business degree. I was going to be a CEO. I was going to retire by the time I was 40 so that I could be a philanthropist and really give back and travel the world. Sorry, 22-year-old Spence. God interrupted, and now you're a pastor. So good luck, right? God interrupted Listen, as I read this story, I want you to keep the interruption that, that maybe comes to mind pretty quick. I want you to kind of keep it mentally close by, like tuck it under your arm like a football, right? Uh, it's probably not hard because that's probably where it's been for a long time anyway. Like it's kind of stayed in the front of your mind and it's really shaped your relationship with God. Right? We're going to pull that out front and center and talk about it in just a minute. But first, I want you to see the scene with Mary. And I want you to see how we can get to, but we're going to unpack this. I'm just going to walk through it. There's so much in here, like I said, and then I'll show you how we can respond like Mary. Like what do we need to see in here so that we can respond and we can draw near to God like Mary does, okay? All right, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. All right, the sixth month, that's the sixth month of her cousin Elizabeth's. Pregnancy. You just go back up to the story we did last week. Elizabeth is advanced in years. The Bible doesn't tell us how old. It's impolite to speculate, but she's been around, all right? And she's kept her pregnancy a secret for about five months. Gabriel's our angel from last week, sent by God to Zechariah over in the temple. That's the place where, if an angel's gonna show up, it, you would think it'd be in the temple. But this time, he goes to Nazareth, to a somewhat remote, insignificant town to a remote, insignificant girl who we're going to see outshine the priest in her faith, which is just so great for us. All right, verse 27. Gabriel sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. All right, Mary and Joseph. I mean, if you're at all familiar with Christianity, you probably know these two. They're at the center of the nativity scene. For some reason, in the ones that I grew up with, the little toys, she was always dressed in blue. Like, uh, there's no way that was the case, but whatever it is. Uh, but that's, we're not at the nativity scene yet, all right? As we look in on the story, we find Mary most likely the age of a high school freshman or a little bit younger, all right? And she's a virgin. That is clearly what Luke wants to drive home in this. That's why he says it twice in the verse. That's Mary. Now, Joseph, he makes a point to say is of the house of David. Like, (laughs) why does Luke bring that up? It's kind of strange, like if somebody is writing the story of Courtney and I, and it's lauded inevitably by critics as the greatest modern love story ever told, right? That's come, when that story gets told, I don't think the author is going to introduce me as Spence of the house of Alvis, like one of my great ancestors kind of thing, right? Now, why does he do that? Why does it matter? What's well, because, listen to me, the story of Jesus is the story of God keeping his promises, that's why this matters, all right? Which, and that's really important when talking about God interrupting our lives because, listen to me, God isn't changing his plan when he interrupts your plan. You've got to understand that here. God said a thousand years ago in Second Samuel 7 that He would send someone from the house of David to be the Messiah. In Isaiah 7:14, it says, "A virgin will conceive the Messiah. God is interrupting their plan, but he's not changing his a bit. All right, verse 28. And the angel came to her and said, "Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you." you... This is wild, y'all. This is the first time in the Bible where an angel shows reverence to a human. Like, that has never happened before. It's wild. And then verse 29, she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Of course she's deeply troubled. It's an angel. I can't stress how crazy that is, showing her honor. And that word wondering, she's wondering what kind of greeting this could be. And it has the meaning of, like, making an audit. Basically, she is wondering, what is happening right now? Am I hallucinating? How can this be real? But before she even gets a word out, God interrupts even her train of thought. Verse 30, then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you'll name him Jesus. (laughs) This is getting stranger. If you are a Christian, do not let the familiarity of this cause you to miss the kind of uh, the wildness of it. A 15-year-old virgin is being told by an angel she'll conceive and have a son. And by, by the way, we've already picked out his name. It's Jesus, meaning God saves. And then he keeps going. And now we're looking into this thing has been set up. We're looking into the announcement that makes Christmas what it is. He will be great. He will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Gabriel is saying, Jesus, this baby born to a virgin from Nazareth is God's promised Messiah. He says it five different ways in two verses. He will be great. When you have greatness without a qualifier, that adjective without any kind of, like, he will be a great king, or he will be a great person, or just, he will be great, that is reserved exclusively for God alone in the Old Testament. He will be son of the Most High. That's Genesis 14, 18. The, the Most High is referring exclusively to God alone. The throne of his father, David, that's 2 Samuel 7. A long time ago, it was promised that a son of David would be the Messiah who would reign over Israel, and that reign would be forever. In fact, if you read 2 Samuel 7, it's going to say that this one is going to have a great name. It's going to have messianic sonship. It's going to have the divine throne. It's going to have an eternal kingdom. This idea of reigning over the house of Jacob forever, that's Micah 4.7, that the Messiah would rule over Zion, a kingdom with no end. In the Old Testament, only God's kingdom is eternal. All five declarations of Gabriel, four of which alone characterize God, are applied expressly to Jesus. Y'all, I mean, the Messiah wasn't just this Savior sent by God. That alone would be incredible. But beyond that, he's going to be God himself. The God man. And Mary, you're going to be his mom. This is wild. And so Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I've not had sexual relations with a man? I want you to see this as this question. This is honest doubt. Because we saw last week with Zechariah. Zechariah says, how can this be? And um, he is disciplined by God for his uh, unbelief. But here we see in Mary something different, because we're going to see it in the way that God responds. And what I want you to see here is this is honest doubt from a rational mind. Her logical, rational mind can't get around a physical impossibility. And honest doubt, here's what I mean by that. It asks the kind of questions that puts you in kind of a, a humble, vulnerable position. Because what if God answers you when you ask, honestly? Honestly, And what if his answer shatters the way you've always viewed the world? And what if it demands something from you that you may not feel ready to give yet? See, honest doubts are open to belief. And Mary's question asks for information and leaves her open to the possibility of a good answer that would cause her to shift her views of this interruption. And that's exactly what God gives her, that good answer look at verse 35 the angel replied to her the holy spirit will come upon you and the most high will overshadow you therefore the holy one to be born will be called the son of god this is how gabriel describes the conception that how the virgin became pregnant and i want you to see that wording overshadow that i love how luke does not spare i mean every word matters that's the very same language of how God came to dwell with Israel. In Exodus 40 35, the tabernacle, which was God's dwelling place, is finished. And then the cloud that represented the presence of God, it says that it overshadowed the tabernacle. And when it did, Moses says the very next thing that happened is that the presence of God filled the temple. The same language is used in Luke 9 when God's presence descends onto the mountain where Jesus is with three of his disciples. Luke says a cloud overshadowed the mountain, overshadowed them, and then God spoke. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. What I want you to see is God's not just being randomly creative here. He's doing what he's always done when he breaks into the world that he's created. He's overshadowing the place where his presence will dwell, and in this case, the place is in a person, the womb of Mary, and that seems impossible. So, Gabriel gives her some news to help her belief. Verse 36, consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless, and then we're going to see more of that story next week. So, I want to I want to look a little bit further. Gabriel says something that sums it all up. Mary took her honest question to God, and God gives her in response one of the great truths of Scripture, a statement that Christians have clung to for thousands of years when faced with the impossible, when told that there is no way that guy or that girl will ever turn around will ever come to Jesus, when told there's no hope for that marriage, when told there's no chance you will recover, when told that mission will never work, when told that church will never survive. For thousands of years, Christians facing impossible circumstances have been carried by the hope that God spoke to Mary when Mary said, how can this be? God said, nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing, nothing Nothing will be impossible with God. That's Gabriel saying, if God says he will do it, he will do it. And the one who created the laws of physics can bend them to his will as he pleases. Y'all, I know people in this church who should be dead. And they aren't. And the only reason is because nothing is impossible. I know marriages that should be dead and aren't. And the only reason is because nothing is impossible with God. I know lives that should be wrecked. And instead they're restored. And the only reason is nothing is impossible with God. You go around, you get to know Mercy Church, you will hear about the God of the impossible. And that's a message to you who carry around this suitcase Full of skepticism about God actually changing your life in any real and tangible way. I'm talking both to Christian and non-Christian there. I want you to, I want you to hear Gabriel say, nothing will be impossible with God. And then I want you to see Mary's incredible response. See, I am the Lord's servant. May it happen to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. God interrupted Mary's life. And when God interrupted, Mary trusted. She didn't have all the answers. She didn't have a clear understanding of how it's all going to work out. Lots of uncertainty ahead of her. Yet when God interrupted, Mary trusted. When God interrupts, how can we get there? How can we get, I want that, right? I want that, what Mary has. How can we follow in her footsteps when God interrupts our life? I'm going to give you a few things I see here from Mary for us to to just take and and go before the Lord with. And the first is try practicing honest doubt. Especially for you skeptics who find this whole story just silly because scientifically, how could a virgin have a child? And yet... You see a religion birthed out of nobodies from nowhere whose followers ask nothing of anybody and give everything to everyone. And somehow this religion has endured for 2,000 years. And this virgin birth and that reality seem to be uh, colliding against each other. Look at what Gabriel said to Mary and meditate on it. Nothing will be impossible with God. So consider An honest doubt, consider who Christians say God is, his size, his power to create and sustain, his grace and love. Look to that God in wonder and in awe of his majesty and present your doubts there. That's honest doubt. It's a doubt that says, God, I want to know. I want to know what's true. So God, if you are who you say you are, I'm ready to believe that. Leave room for a God who may be far above your understanding or intellect. Isn't that who you want God to be? Don't you want him to be bigger than you? Search the scriptures and as you do, this is hard, but those doubts that you have, be willing to doubt them. Be willing to doubt your doubts. And listen, I want to offer this to you. If you want someone to read the Bible with, I would encourage you in that. I'm not gonna force it on you, of course, but I would encourage you. Have someone to read the Bible with you, a Christian who's been with the Bible for a while, who's walked with God for a while. And listen, let us know. Let one of the pastors around here at Mercy Churching find our contact info on the website. Let us know. We'd be glad to read God's word with you and just explore it together. That's the first one. Try practicing honest doubt. If you wanna to get to where Mary is or where Mary was, the second, listen. I want you to recognize that as you commit yourself to God, he commits himself to you. All right. One of the beautiful truths that Luke's going to share a little bit later in chapter 11. Of course, we won't get there this in, in Advent. But it's this truth that God is such a far better father than any earthly father. He gives way better gifts, the chief of which is his Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that life's always going to go well for Christians. In fact, history says quite the opposite. When Gabriel calls Mary favored, I want you to think for a second about the favor he is bringing her. She's being told that she's going to be pregnant before being married. That's not just frowned upon in her culture. It's a crime that can be punishable by death. Joseph's probably going to leave her over this which means she'll probably never get married, which isn't just an unfulfilled hope. It's a big financial problem that she's facing. At the moment of this announcement, she's already poor. And as a result of what Gabriel is saying, no future prospects to make money and a ruined reputation. And yet she welcomes that favor of God towards her. She welcomes that interruption. How? See, the one who trusts God wholeheartedly has nowhere to go but deeper into the arms of God when interruptions come. So she's going to make God more and more of her meaning, of her satisfaction, of her identity, and her hope. And y'all, it's in the time when God is all you have that you discover in full he is all you've ever needed. So instead of being... I'm bitter about the interruption that God has brought. I don't say that lightly. I don't know the the scope of interruptions we might be talking about. But instead of being bitter and pushing against God, are you willing to draw closer to God himself? Are you willing to maybe welcome what God might want to do in and through you on the other side of this interruption? Are you willing to say, okay, God, I don't fully understand. In fact, you don't really see Mary rejoicing yet. That actually doesn't come for a few more verses and comes after an interaction with her cousin. Right now, what you see is Mary going, I don't fully understand, but I'm your servant and I trust you. Are you willing to go there? And here's the, I think, how we get there, how we get to this spot where we can, We even get the opportunity, uh, the Lord gives us more than he gave Mary. I want you to remember God interrupted history for us. Mary's told she'll give birth to a son that already has a name because he already has a calling that he's going to fulfill. Her son will be Jesus, the Savior, the one who's going to save his people from their sins. Mary's greatest problem, just like everyone else's, was actually that her relationship with God was severed and in need of restoring and her son was coming to restore her fully to God. He would be God's promise fulfilled. How, incre- think about how incredible is this? Mary's currently under the penalty of death if she's pregnant and unwed. That's there to be a picture of all of us. Jesus is born to a woman under the curse of death. We, the whole human race, were under the curse of death, and Jesus was born to us and will grow up to take our curse for us. That's the announcement to you today. Christmas isn't just an empty, generic expression of warm fuzzies. I keep telling you that. It's saying you can be saved, rescued from the darkness of your sin and reconciled to God. The Savior is here. Hope is here. He's not only going to save them from their sins. Gabriel says he's going to rule on the throne of David. Mary would know that that, here's, she knows what that means. The forever king on David's throne means peace. And in an age of rest and blessing in the world that the Jews called Shalom. That king is arriving. That's the king we all want. The king who's going to reverse the curse that sin has brought into this world. The Bible has this way throughout the Old and New Testament of pointing to that future day where decay and darkness and danger of this world are just no more. It's, it's beautiful the way the Bible does it. Isaiah 11 says there's a day coming where the infant will play beside the cobra's pit. There's no more danger. Isaiah 60 says sons and daughters lost by their parents will be given back to them. No more grief. Revelation says there'll be a restoration of bodies that have been destroyed By disease, no more decay, no more brokenness, healing in full. God interrupted to send a king who will reverse the pain and disappointment of this world. See, Mary's pregnancy, it's one of two pregnancies in this story meant to point us to the work of God to come one day. The other pregnancy being Elizabeth, who had been disappointed her whole life because she was never able to conceive, and yet here she is with child. Luke tying these pregnancies together shows that this baby of Mary's will one day erase every disappointment of this life. And the king will sit on David's throne and every injustice will be made right. This is where hope comes from. This is the news you can't miss. Listen, this is what we keep saying. Hope is here. here here's what hope is. Hope is the confident expectation that Christ is already won. And will bring us into his forever victory over sin and death. That's our hope. Hope is the certainty that the best really is yet to come. So for you who are disappointed, maybe even jaded by God's interruption, let me encourage you with the words of Hebrews 12. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. He is your Savior and King. And in the announcement of his coming, even though the circumstances seem bleak, Mary rejoiced. Have you opened your heart to this news? That's the news of Christmas. The favor of God has come to us in Christ. And if you have received that, I want to call you to this season a celebratory rest celebratory rest in the promises of God, all of them are yours today. Maybe you're in that space where you say you you believe all this, but you don't feel it. You know what I'm talking about? Where like, I know all this to be true. I just don't feel it. I feel kind of far from God. I feel like God's not listening. I don't know. Again, I'll tell you, follow Mary. Uh, In Luke 2, after Jesus is born, there's this little closing statement where Luke says, Mary pondered all these things in her heart. Take a cue from her and ponder Christmas consider it. I want you to pray, God, help me to know what I already know until it reshapes my emotions. Help me to know this hope in a way that my disappointment and my pain get swallowed up in the hope of the day to come, the hope of the victory you've already won. Help me to know this hope in a way that lets me say I can let go of all that I have because in Christ I have all I need. God, help me to know this hope. In that hour where my life crumbles around me, so that instead of despair and anger, my soul bursts into song. And I say, my soul will magnify the Lord. I will not fear. I will not despair. Because I have the favor of God on me. And every one of his promises are yes to me in Christ. Y'all, that's all found in Mary's very simple response her prayer, prayer that I want us to pray today, behold, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Can you, on unsure footing, maybe, maybe the Spirit's convicting you and and you're ready. Ready? May it be be to me according to your word. Maybe you can see the story of your life lining up right now that God has been interrupting. And now you see this is what God has been doing. And there's something that he wants to do in you. But first you're going to have to let it be to me according to your word. And instead of fighting against him, you're going to welcome his interruption into your life and receive the blessing that he has on the other side of that. And you can only do that because you're confident he has already interrupted history for you. He's interrupted and offered you salvation in Christ. And maybe you need to say, God, I, I recognize now that I need that interruption. I need the interruption of Christ. And I need to receive his forgiveness. Behold, I am your servant. Identity. I'm a servant. God's in charge. I'm his servant. Let it be to me according to your word. I have everything I need in Christ. I am who he says I am. And so I'll do whatever he calls me to do. Let it be to me according to your word. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the beautiful picture, the beautiful message of Mary's faith. Thank you for the advent, the arrival of Christ. Thank you that the Savior has come. Thank you that you have one for us, victory over sin and death. Thank you that when you interrupt our lives, you're not changing your plans a bit. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters that they would rest, rest in your goodness, rest in your grace, and would we'll pray sincerely, though maybe. Unsure about what the future holds, certainly unsure about what the future holds, but let it be to me according to your word. God, we love you. We worship you in Christ's holy name. Amen.